When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Next Picture Show listeners. Here's a friendly reminder that if you enjoy the Next Picture Show, you'll really enjoy getting more Next Picture Show by subscribing to our Patreon. You can get our weekly newsletter for $3 a month and unlock bonus episodes for $5 a month. Our latest bonus episode covers the best films of 2022 so far, and we have episodes coming up on Severance and The Northman. But even if you aren't ready to subscribe, you can still follow the Patreon for your next Picture Show bonus mini-recommendations and Feedback Friday posts, where we respond to your thoughts and questions. Those posts are open to the public, and we hope you'll come engage and ask questions. You can find it all at patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. That's patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. Very difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. Do you believe that someone out of the past enter and take possession of a living being. We may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. Welcome to The Next Picture Show, a movie of the week podcast devoted to a classic film and how it shaped our thoughts on a recent release. I'm Scott Tobias, here with Genevieve Kosky and Tasha Robinson. Keith Phipps is currently stuck on Earth 838, but he'll be back here on Earth 616 soon. I'm, I'm told that those things are meaningful. Uh, but we will not be lacking in comic book expertise. Our special guest this week is Matt Singer, our old colleague at The Dissolve, the editor of ScreenCrush.com, and the author of Marvel's Spider-Man, From Amazing to Spectacular, The Definitive Comic Art Collection. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for inviting me. I can't help but notice the last time you had me on... Keith wasn't here either. And I'm starting to wonder, <laughs> is he ducking me? <laughs> oh, yes, that is definitely true. Is he, he afraid to like debate you? me? <laughs> he doesn't like you and doesn't want to be around you. I... We definitely have not killed him and rolled his body up somewhere. Um, we're going we're gonna to stick with the, it's, it's you. It's definitely you, Matt. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so, Matt, I, I have a question for you. So, I was reading user reviews of the book on Amazon, and they're mostly very good. It averages a five-star rating, which is rare. However, one person only gives the book four stars. She says that she loves the book, but it was a little damaged, and uh, that probably happened in transit. How would you respond to that uh, criticism of your book? <laughs> that one's on me. That's my bad. You know, what they don't tell you when you buy a book on Amazon is that the author actually packages and ships every book by hand. In fact, I print each copy out in my house. I have a printing press in the basement. So I, I did. I, I remember that person specifically, and it was it was slightly beat up. But I was like, ah, it's fine. They'll never notice. And came back to bite me on, yeah. the, on the rear on that one. My bad. Matt Singer, a fine author, not not so good with the uh, shipping. No, so the quality the quality control is a little dodgy at the uh, Singer <laughs> yeah. household. Um, so our later our latest pairing is Spider Man adjacent, not least because both films were directed by Sam Raimi, who made the definitive Spider Man movies in the early to mid aughts with Tobey Maguire in the role. Tasha, what do we have on tap? Well, believe it or not, this is the twenty eighth film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
For Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the studio brought in director Sam Raimi, the most seasoned director of superhero movies to ever get the job. With Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange having cracked open the multiverse in Spider-Man No Way Home, allowing all sorts of interdimensional chaos to erupt, Raimi has been given the opportunity to bring his frenzied style to bear on the material. And yet Multiverse of Madness doesn't recall Raimi's superhero movies like Darkman or the Maguire Spider-Mans so much as it recalls the horror comedy of his Evil Dead trilogy. The third entry in that trilogy, Army of Darkness, also jettisons its hero through multiple dimensions, and both films are about the epic battle against evil forces conjured by a magic book. So this week, we'll talk about Army of Darkness, Raimi's ambitious attempt to revive Ray Harryhausen and the Three Stooges on the studio Dime. And then next week, we'll see how his sensibility meshes with the MCU in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Please join us. of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. At a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. The swallow us all. And about to die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. We spoke the words. The army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. In an alternate universe, perhaps one or two in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Bruce Campbell would be a matinee idol. Swarthy and barrel-chested, with great hair, a square jaw, perfect teeth, and an air of supreme masculine confidence. In fact, the theatrical poster for 1993's Army of Darkness, the third entry in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy, mimics the cover of a glossy romance novel, with a low-angle illustration of Campbell standing proudly at the center of a chaotic scene with muscles bulging through a ripped shirt and jeans and a buxom maiden clinging to his leg. Perhaps he's just a man out of time, evoking the swagger of a John Wayne, or an Elvis Presley decades past its expiration date. Or, more likely, perhaps he can just not suppress the false bravado and rubber-faced silliness on which he's built his cult reputation. Raimi has spent his career, in part, constructing that alternative universe on his own. He and Campbell were friends when they collaborated on Within the Woods, a horror short they made for $1,600 before they were even old enough to drink. The short was a proof of concept for the 1981 cult classic The Evil Dead, which brought Campbell back again, this time as Ash, the last man standing among college students who battled demons in a cabin in rural Tennessee. The concept was so nice they made it thrice with Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, which followed the same basic premise as the previous films, but drifted further into the comedy part of horror comedy. It was a natural evolution of Raimi and Campbell's working relationship, 
Raimi seized on the comic tension between the outrageous horror shock effects and Campbell's talent for physical comedy and self-deprecation. He's a cartoonish approximation of the old-fashioned movie adventurers that Raimi sought to evoke and parody. Army of Darkness was the medieval horror film that Raimi wanted Evil Dead 2 to be, but didn't have the budget to make. Convincing a major studio to bankroll the second sequel to a film that earned a cult following on VHS sounds as unlikely as it was even at the time, when Hollywood would still invest in smaller budgeted projects with a narrow target audience. But Raimi's first studio movie, Darkman, was a respectable late summer hit, and Universal could hedge its bet on Army of Darkness a little because the famed producer Dino De Laurentiis was also invested in it. That didn't prevent the seemingly inevitable friction over budget overruns, editing conflicts, and a downer ending that needed to be reshot. But the film wound up doing what many cult movies do. It hobbled to the screen, received middling reviews, and is now embraced as fervently as its director hoped it would be in the first place. There's no highfalutin explanation for why Army of Darkness is as great as it is. Perhaps my next picture show colleagues will be able to point to some theme or hidden allegory that I might have missed during my dozenth time yucking my way through the film. But really, the film was an opportunity for Raimi to play in a large studio sandbox, introduce Campbell to a mainstream audience, and pay homage to the Ray Harryhausen stop motion of Jason and the Argonauts, the slapstick of the Three Stooges, and the period of reverence of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, among many other influences. He wanted to share his obsessions and put his own goofy spin on them. Army of Darkness opens the line, My name is Ash, and I'm a slave, a record scratch moment if there ever was one. It turns out that Ash and his car have been sucked through a portal and dumped in a medieval times, circa 1300 AD. He learns quickly that the same supernatural beasties that tormented him in the present day are also a problem here. When he's captured and thrown into a pit with a couple of them, Ash impresses the locals by besting the demons, and a wise man believes him to be a chosen one who can retrieve a book called the Necromicon, which we know as the Book of the Dead. The deal is this. If Ash succeeds in taking the book from a haunted cemetery, there's a spell inside that can be used to transport him back home. He just needs to remember the words Klaatu, Barada, Niktu, and no, he will not need to go over them again. He's got it. Army of Darkness continues to put Campbell through the same supernatural ringer as the previous Evil Dead films, with Ash getting his eyes poked and tongue pinched by disembodied skeleton hands, his hand gnawed by a book, and his cheek pressed so hard into a stove that he needs a spatula to get it off. To that, Raimi adds miniature assailants a la Gulliver's Travels, a metaphysical slap fight between good Ash and bad Ash, and a stop-motion skeleton army out of a Harryhausen movie. What does it all mean, Mr. Fancy Pants, you might be asking? I don't have an answer, other than I love watching it. Perhaps my friends can enlighten me after the break. Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! The 12-gauge double-barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart. Shop S-Mart. 
You got that? So, Matt, you recently uh, wrote a ranked list of Sam Raimi films, and you had Army of Darkness at number one. Why is this the best Sam Raimi film? Yes, I was the first person on the internet to rank things. I, so I don't know why anyone, why didn't anyone think of that before? I will acknowledge right off the bat that I might be a little biased uh, about Army of Darkness because it was my first Sam Raimi movie that I saw. I had a very sort of uh, seminal experience seeing it for the first time at a midnight screening at my college. And I had legitimately had never experienced a screening of any movie ever that was as enthused and exciting as as that. So I'll, I'll, I'll give that. I'll, I always like to preface with that because in some ways I'm like, uh, I'm incapable of rendering objective uh, criticisms about this movie because it's so near and dear to my heart. But I think that the reason that I still love it because I've rewatched it many, many times. And again, just in the last few weeks for that list and to talk to you guys, I just feel like it's like the purest vision the pure it's the pure Raimi you know like it's the undiluted essence and I I suppose some people might say well that's actually evil dead or or something else perhaps but for me like this is what I think of and look to when I want the Sam Raimi experience the horror the comedy the incredible use of camera Bruce Campbell giving an incredible performance the practical special effects the gore just all of it. It's over in, I don't know, 82 minutes, whatever it is. It's just, uh, it really is like uh, as stripped to the bone as a deadite that's freshly risen from the grave, I guess you could say. <laughs> and so for me, that's why it's, it's, uh, it's, if not the best Sam Raimi movie, then the most Sam Raimi movie, at least for me. So what about you, Tasha and Genevieve? How, how do you respond to it? <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't think it's the best Sam Raimi movie, but I'm way on board with saying it's the most Sam Raimi movie. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, very much so. Like, our original plan was to pair Multiverse of Madness with Darkman. And I opted out of that pairing because I have a, a pretty specific grudge against Darkman. But that pairing and my response to it made me just start really thinking about Raimi movies and how they feel and why I respond to them the way I do. And to some degree, I think it's just because like Sam Raimi has a real mean streak that I think people respond to for the most part positively because it's playful. You know, it's, it's ghoulish. It's like Halloween haunted houses where people lunge through hidden uh, doors at you with chainsaws with the chains taken off. You know, it's, it's just kind of goofy, groovy fun. But some of those movies go to darker places and, and feel more real than others. And some of them, to my personal tastes, push the meanness too far. I, I've always hated the ending to drag me to hell, you know, because mm. it's the whole movie is kind of a live action cartoon in many ways, uh, tormenting this girl who like does her absolute best to to escape her fate. And then she gets kind of final destination in the end. And I don't love horror movies that end that way. And I don't love horror movies that just kind of say, I eh, know it, it doesn't matter like how afraid you are, or how hard you work or what you do, you're screwed. To my mind, Army of Darkness like takes all of that kind of sadistic twinge that he has and just really amps it up to the point where it's more hilarious than it is in some of his other films where you care more about the protagonist. And he applies all that meanness to a guy who's just already a live action cartoon. Like you don't care about Ash's suffering in Army of Darkness because he's a terrible person. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you don't care that he is a terrible person in like a meaningful, I can't wait to see this guy get punished kind of way either. It's not vindictive. It's just a big cartoon. So I, I think that it really plays out a lot of Raimi's like biggest comedy instincts and interests and like his his love of, of gooey, groovy special effects and whatnot. And his love of like just kind of like over the top stuff and his demonstrable interest in heroism. But it kind of puts those all together in a package that's completely unobjectionable and just so light. It's a crunchy little cracker crust pizza of a movie. It goes down <laughs> real smooth. Um, I don't love it because it's still just kind of not my kind of comedy. But I do think it's the ramiest of Raimi movies. And it's just maybe maybe the slickest in terms of his horror, certainly at least. Genevieve? Well, uh, here's where I admit that before coming on to record, I toyed with the idea of opting out of the, this one because I did not want to be the spoil sport, uh, especially after having read uh, Scott's script and uh, how much you and Matt both uh, uh, appreciate this film. But actually, I feel a little better uh, having listened to Matt describe his first experience watching it because that sounds like the ideal way to experience this film for the first time not like watching it to study and analyze and again going back to what matt said like there isn't a lot of meat on the bone of this movie and like while i appreciate the 82 minutes of it like there was just not a whole lot here for me to connect to as, as tasha mentioned like the character of ash is just a cartoon there's like nothing i hadn't seen the other evil dead movies so like i don't really know his backstory but from what i can tell <laughs> there isn't one there is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there is a very <laughs> long and complicated backstory story you're really missing out on the depth of this but, character but 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 that's kind of my point like like i can absolutely appreciate like the effects the cartoon energy of of it the slapstick uh tasha you were talking about sort of the meanness i think that's like kind of the essence of slapstick you know like just kind of hurting each other in funny ways but i can appreciate all that is there but like when it comes to character story dialogue there's like not a whole lot there for me to uh to dig into and you know i i, I say this a lot on this podcast like i do generally uh, i'm attracted to character first in in stories in all stories but uh, movies as well and i do not give a shit about ash <laughs> and, and he's the only character of note in this movie you know everyone else is just window dressing so um yeah i didn't have a whole lot of fun with this one i'm not gonna lie but i'm i'm really happy for people who love it i think a really important part of loving this movie is maybe coming to it early you know coming to it if you see this movie when you're say 13 and i'm gonna throw that out there as an example everybody's mileage varies for when they're ready for something like this there are probably some kids out there that are ready for it at eight but whenever you start that process of, of transitioning from Ugh, this is baby stuff to like i want grown-up stuff but you're not really ready for you know the power of the dog you're not ready for actual grown-up stuff that involves people talking to each other and uh you know nuance and, and thought i feel like this is just kind of a perfect film for that Still on the adolescence, kind of think it's funny when somebody falls on a banana kind of place, um, <laughs> but also still uh, in, in the place to find this like edgy, you know, because it's got all these dead things running around and they're like mean to women and they they curse and, and they blow stuff up. Like, it's definitely a kid's movie. 
And it's a movie that's just kind of become iconic in the culture. Like rewatching it for the first time in a really long time, I was surprised at how like 90% of the things that come out of Ash's mouth have just become like pop culture memes. Pop culture are like iconic lines. And I, I think that's because people encounter it young and they remember it. And coming to it as an adult, it's probably something that if you don't have a certain kind of nostalgia for, is it being like a naughty movie of your youth, you probably aren't going to appreciate it in the same way. It was really clarifying for me to find out that Sam Raimi like co-wrote this with his brother. I kept thinking watching it like this feels like kids playing with toys, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and then like kind of acting out a scenario with toys. And like, that's cool, you know, but it's not yes. particularly <laughs> it's really cool. It is cool. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Scott, like it kind of sounds like you might have an opinion on this movie. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, I said it as much in the, in the keynote. Yeah. I, I compared it to uh, you know, Raimi being sort of in the, sort of the studio sandbox and mm-hmm. and uh, being able to play with all these toys, I, I think that's a big positive. You know, and the, and the film is loaded with references to all of these you know movies that he loves, and it, it's just a, it's weird that I, I'm kind of stuck on so many things here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, maybe I should just begin at the beginning because I haven't really talked about my response to the movie. Matt's experience with Army of Darkness was, was the experience that I had with Evil Dead Two. So I, uh, Evil Dead 2 was, was sort of my Sam Raimi movie and uh, the one that I saw, you know, with a midnight audience that was just absolutely losing its mind, uh, myself included. And um, it's probably still my, my favorite. And then I saw Army of Darkness just at a mall in general release. <laughs> I was in college. So the response there was quite muted. I mean, you see it just a, you know, it wasn't like a hit. I don't think there were many people there. And I remember finding it somewhat enervating and disappointing at the time. And then, and then of course, re- returning to it and thinking, oh, of course I was wrong and that f- this film is amazing. But I don't know. But as far as like, I- I'm stuck on the idea of it being mean or the idea of Raimi in general as being, you know, uh, a mean direct director. I mean, I-, I think it may be something like drag me to hell. I can see where you could, s- could find that you know uncompromising i guess would be the would be the word um and there's a darkness to a films like you know a simple plan for example but i don't know i i i don't really see that in these movies i think there's just a, there's just they're fun uh, you know you know i mean the, the thing that's hard for me to kind of articulate you know and i and i say as much in the in the keynote as well is is um what are the themes of army of darkness i i don't really i can't really tell you i, I you know i can't really think of it in terms of theme or even character i mean ash is all about charisma and and that, you know i love the dialogue I, you, you, genevieve you object to the dialogue but to me it's mm. it's full of qu- wonderful quotable lines um <laughs> like the she but, bitch one you really like that one well i mean I, you know uh, <laughs> that, but, that honestly uh, made me laugh because like, you just you don't you don't ever hear anybody yelling at the he bitches anymore <laughs> you know the, he says you know hello mr fancy pants that didn't that didn't do it for you i mean hello mr <laughs> fancy pants that didn't do it for you like, I want to be clear, like, I understand, like, what, what they're going for here, you know? Uh-huh. I'm not looking for Shakespeare or anything. Um, it's they speak just, with British like... accents like a lot of Shakespeare, <laughs> I will say that. It's true. It kind of sounds like Shakespeare when you say things that way. I mean, there 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 is literary illusion in, in this film, you know, mm-hmm. with the uh, Gulliver's Travels and whatnot, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a highfalutin film. No, but, like, I think, like, the dialogue, like, the one-liners, whatever, like, they do it for you or they don't, you know? And, like, a lot of them i think 
encountered at this late stage just feel a little tired to me maybe like because tasha as tasha notes like they have kind of just been absorbed into the culture like as i said this was my first evil dead movie but like the number of articles I've edited about <laughs> ten movies over the last fifteen years is not inconsiderable. Like I feel like I've absorbed a lot of this franchise without having seen it. Um, I'm actually like without necessarily wanting to go back and revisit the other two. Like I am kind of like thinking about what like how my experience may be different if I had watched them like in order if this hadn't been my first one and I, I guess I I would like to hear from uh, you know the, the rest of you like. Do you think this is an acceptable entry point by virtue of it being like the Ramiest Ring? I mean, it was for or me. This, <laughs> this yeah. was the first. Oh, that's this right. Was the first so. one. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. never seen a, an, yeah, any said... other Sam Raimi movies when I saw it. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'm not even sure I really fully understood it was a sequel when I went to see it. To be honest with you, you know, like to me, yeah. I grew up, you know, and I didn't see it when I was 13. I was in, I was in college, so I was probably like 18, 19. <laughs> you were a man. I was a very mature 19 year old. And uh, I mean, the way I knew this movie was I grew up a comic book dork and for a period of probably like three to six months in 1993 or whatever year this came out, every Marvel comic had the beautiful, ridiculous poster for this movie on the inside cover. Mm. Uh, you know, the one of uh, the, the, you know, the painted sort of Frazetta-esque. I'm looking at it right now yeah, with, you know, with her like clutching his leg. Yes, you know, it's like sort of a yeah. mockery <laughs> of that sort of Frazetta mm-hmm. style. And I had no idea yeah. what that was at the time. It didn't mean anything to me. It was it was very bizarre looking like this man has a chainsaw and there's like, I didn't, I didn't understand it then. And I, that's... <laughs> I just went to see it because I was a loser and I didn't have any friends. And that's what I did every weekend at college. I went to the midnight movies. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, what I was in for. And everyone else there, though, was, you know, was very familiar with it. And, uh, you know, was screaming and cheering (laughs) and all that sort of stuff. So it was to me, it was a perfectly acceptable entry point. But I mean, I guess if I hadn't seen it at that age, I, I, I can't I can't say what my reaction would be if I was seeing it now. I can only say I still. Still, whether it's a fault of my own or a a personality flaw, I still find it funny. And watching it by myself in my house now, I still laugh at it. I mean, I, I again, like, I don't begrudge anyone, you guys or our listeners who who enjoy this film. Like, I want people to to like movies, even if, <laughs> if I don't. Um, but to go back to like Scott's question about the dialogue, like, it's very quippy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine but it doesn't give me a lot to hold on to like this is a this is a shallow movie you know like the sense of place is non-existent <laughs> like it, yeah. it's very sound stagey like and and the dialogue just it, there's nothing here that gives you a sense of who these people are what they're facing you know what what they care about it's just ash delivering one-liners and that just got really boring for me after mm. a while yeah, I mean, I think I think all of this is designed for for you to put yourself in Ash's place. You're the guy who's running around who has like better weapons than everybody else and who the inevitable scantily clad pretty chick is falling over and people are like snotty and bullying to him and he shows them all up. He's funny and he gets the best laughs. Like there's a power fantasy here that's not that different from superhero movies. It's just that 
Raimi also undercuts it at every turn. Like, I really think that he's laughing at this archetype uh, in oh, a, yes. a, a, yeah. a pretty clear way. And I would say he's laughing at these kind these kinds of movies, you know, like the cheesy location and the ridiculous castle and the terrible costumes. And I think there's an element of it that it's designed to uh, sort of poke fun at the at the these kinds of movies, you know, these sorts of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pompous, stuffy medieval kind of battle movies that I think is also absolutely part of it. I mean, I I do think there is maybe some element of wanting to be Ash or something, but I also feel like that that there's the opposite instinct, which is maybe what you're also saying, Tasha, which is to like, Ash is a a horrible person and I love watching him get the crap kicked out of him. Like, and that's another reason why I sort of enjoy this movie to some extent more than Evil Dead 2. And maybe that is like when you were talking earlier about that uh, he can be a mean filmmaker, Raimi. I mean, there is a sort of a sadistic streak, and I think he would admit it. Like, he in, he enjoys torturing specifically Bruce Campbell. Like, he derives an enormous amount of pleasure out of specifically that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I can, while I don't necessarily agree about Drag Me to Hell, like, I can see what you're saying, but the difference with something like Army of Darkness is, even more than Evil Dead 2, is that Ash is such a jerk in this movie that it... I never get tired of watching him get the the tar kicked out of him because on some level he does kind of deserve all of it. So when skeletons are like poking him in the eyes and, you know, and the monsters are attacking him, it gives me enormous pleasure. (laughs) I want to kind of go back to, you know, kind of the entry point into into army of darkness because of course matt you said this was your first experience and you were fine to me the right entry point of course would be evil dead 2 um (laughs) one of the two things uh, two points uh, about that one is that is that you would learn about the chainsaw the origin of the chainsaw so that moment would be resonant to you you know, in a way that it, it, it is a resonant chainsaw. It's, it's like, like, I mean, I well, mean, I want to I, I want to applaud when when the chainsaw falls into place. But I mean, him having that chainsaw, you know, fixed to his arm, that whole sequence is that's an Evil Dead 2 sequence. And just well, his and, knowledge and it's repeat, of, is, it, is it not more or less repeated at the beginning of this movie? Or oh, is, yeah, uh, it's, it's straight up just montaged yeah, into that's, I mean, this isn't going to make any sense unless you well, know what right. happened. Okay, Here's but what still, happened. It's, it's a pleasure. But the other but the other important, more important point is that I think the utter simplicity of Evil T- Dead 2 would almost kind of get you in the right mindset for Army of Darkness in the sense that like Evil Dead 2 is just him in a cabin having unleashed these spirits that are just attacking him and and they're attacking him through all of these uh camera tricks you know through the through through an eyeball cam through the these uh fast motion moves through the forest through all of these creatures coming up through the the floor through it by blood spurting at him you know through the walls it primes you for the experience to be a visceral one not one of experience of substance not where we're going to learn more about ash what we know about ash from evil dead 2 and what we carry into army of darkness is that ash is played by bruce campbell and bruce campbell has certain qualities of being this kind of buffoonish matinee idol type somebody who's going to be kicked around a little bit who's going to be kind of a stooges type who's going to be poked in the eye and he's going to have his tongue squeezed and he's going to have his his face elongated and you know he's going to you know spot out quips you know he's going to be this you know the, the thing that's so much fun about army of darkness is that it throws him into this very basic fish out of water scenario uh where he can you know make all kinds of anachronistic 
jokes at the expense of these old these you know centuries old or to him such this 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 period that's completely unfamiliar to him so a line like you know hello mr fancy pants i mean to me that's 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 comedy <laughs> i don't know what to say i find all of that uh very very funny and in, in as much as the the film i guess you know keeps hammering away at these same jokes or these same feelings i just think it doesn't hammer that long it's 82 minutes and it gives you some a lot of variety in terms of like what the in terms of the individual set pieces because because you eventually get into a quite quite strikingly rendered you know extensive homage to ray harryhausen with these incredible you know stop motion uh, creatures and i i just think it's it's i just think it's a fun movie i mean i i, I want to clarify i like i really enjoyed those harryhausen effects the the skeleton fight like that was all cool and i appreciate like the inventiveness i guess of the slapstick i think like the mirrors shattering the little ashes you know like that it's cool you know it's fun it also feels like i'm watching Looney Tunes shorts back to back for 82 minutes, <laughs> you know, like I can find pleasure in these individual sequences. I just like, don't come away from it feel like having like a sense of this as a movie as much as just like a series of like cool visuals, I guess. A series of very cool visuals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll allow you the very. Thank you. Fine. <laughs> I, what I'm hearing everybody say here is just you know, comedy is uh, a matter of taste, mm-hmm. and this movie is is just a bunch of gags. It's just a bunch of jokes, and that's enough for some people, and and not enough for some people, and that's fine. Like if you if you don't like the slapstick comedy of Bruce Campbell being hurt, like this is probably not your movie if you don't if you don't find bunches of skeletons running around getting uh, going oh no and getting smashed like maybe this isn't the movie for you as far as it being an entryway either into Raimi or into like this trilogy though i i think that the big problem with entering here is that it being the most Raimi of especially the evil dead movies I can't imagine watching this and then watching Evil Dead 2 for the first time enjoy- and enjoying it, much less Evil Dead mm-hmm. 1. That's like, kind of what I thought. How can it's, one it's, not it's, enjoy Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn? If you <laughs> if you see a movie that's a strict upgrade from it first. It's not, it's not yeah. an upgrade. I think, well, Evil Dead, I think Evil Dead 2 is, is, is the best one. Well, leaving does that it have aside, cool, does it have very cool skeletons in it? It's not really. No, no, I, I, no I, don't, I don't know if I would enjoy have this without all the skeletons. like flying in somebody's <laughs> mouth. So here's the thing that I think is just very important to keep in mind in when thinking about these movies. There was a six-year gap between Evil Dead 1 and 2. There was a five-year gap between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. To some people who saw like one of these movies like fairly early on, this is like a a return from a filmmaker that they enjoy to a mode they enjoy. You know, it's it's checking in. It's like it's been five years since that happened. Here's more of it. And it's bigger now. It's it's goofier. It goes farther. It's more over the top. Uh, he's got a little more money and a, a bunch more ambition. But like watching them all back to back, like over the course of a weekend, if you've never seen them before, I think they would be very, very redundant. It's just, you know, part of the experience that makes these movies so uh, addicted and beloved to people is just the way in which they came out, the way in which they experienced for them for the first time. One thing I, I love about this movie in terms of, you know, seeing it first or seeing one of the other ones or would it, would you be lost coming in here? Like, I, I love that with each subsequent movie, 
the story of Evil Dead is repeated, but it's like repeated shorter. He like gets more and more economical. <laughs> like the Evil Dead is the Evil Dead. It's its own movie. Evil Dead 2 is like almost like it's a sequel with a remake in it. Like the first 20 minutes are almost a remake. And then it sort of branches off into a new story. And in Army of Darkness, all of Evil Dead 2 becomes three minutes in this movie. And it just sort of <laughs> like you, you want to talk about just kind of cutting it to the bone and just here's what you need to know. And here's the key moments. And I can tell you from experience, like not really knowing quite what you were getting into, like when within like a minute and a half of this movie, Bruce Campbell is chopping off his own hand. Like that is a moment you never, <laughs> at least I never forgot that. Like, whoa, like in a way it's almost more fun not knowing because you have no way to prepare for that. And it's just so incredibly uh, surprising. So as an experiment, I would like to try to get into the themes here and see if there are some themes to explore. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, so what is the deeper significance of Army of Darkness? Are there <laughs> hidden themes beyond the silliness on the surface? Maybe I'm going to suggest this is some sort of a deconstruction of a certain type of movie hero or fictional hero. Uh, what do you think? Have I got something here? Is there something that we can, we can cling to? Man's inhumanity to man and... <laughs> and also corpses inhumanity to man. I mean, I think all of Raimi's movies are on some level either deconstructions or like reconstructions of heroes, including all of the Evil Dead movies and the other movie we're going to talk about. So there is some of that there. Is there a lot of that there? I, I don't know that there's a lot. There's a lot of I it. I don't think there's a whole lot of it there. But um, <laughs> like, like at least not in this movie. If you, but if you sort of, yeah, I think it comes out more when you sort of stack all of his movies sort of in total. Right. And you look at the characters and the archetypes and the heroes that kind of pop up over and over again, partly because they're all played by Bruce Campbell and they're playing the same person. But even beyond that, like... There are a lot of very reluctant heroes in all of his movies, characters who are sort of, you know, thrust into circumstances they do not want to be a part of, who are called to uh, slay the evil of whatever unholy uh, nature it might be. And um, yeah, that's in this movie as well. I, but I, I I don't necessarily think you you watch Army of Darkness for the for the weighty themes. I do think there's a pretty sharp uh, satire in here just of like 80s action movies in particular. I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's a coincidence that Bruce Campbell spends so much of this movie with his his shirt torn off or torn open and, you know, his his glistening pecs hanging out like this is a very like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Predator, Rambo kind of thing with this muscly guy going around being disgusted at how dumb everybody is and uh, then like carrying the day by beating beating a bunch of people up and having the girl fall all over him. Like this is just a very familiar mode for, for 80s movies. And the fact that Ash is just such a lunk, the fact that he's not smart 
and he's belligerent about it. It's almost as though he's aware that he's not smart and it, it makes him mad. So, you know, he he yells at somebody who tells him, all right, like the magic words that you need to, to use. Do you remember what they are? And he's like, I, I don't I don't need your stupid like coaching, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. And we see how that comes out. And then we see how it comes out again later because he just repeats the error. You know, he he does so many <laughs> things wrong during this movie because he's short-sighted and, and foolish and he, he doesn't look ahead and he doesn't think ahead and he doesn't plan. And all of that is just very like this is how 80s action movies use their their male heroes you know there's very rarely intellectual engagement with a problem it's just all about being like gritting your your teeth and being tough and every time he does that here it gets him in trouble maybe the thing i like most about this movie is just how unrelentingly hilarious it is about sending up that particular mode of square jawed gun in each hand talks only in quips ice to meet you like kind of heroes mm. <laughs> that's interesting i never really thought about ash as a response to the specifically you know sort of the 80s action hero but it, it makes a lot of sense uh, to me the way it, you know the way you've said it it does certainly strike me as as a response to a certain I guess type of male hero, but it is interesting how he how Raimi does not reward him for his kind of bullheadedness and his his uh, you know one man army heroism. I mean he he's he's just constantly tortured in in his his arrogance costs. I mean his arrogance unleashes the army. Like he would be everyone would be fine if he just would you know would have re rehearsed the words that he needed to rehearse which of course are a reference to the the day the earth stood still if you're you know marking your your movie references that 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 the uh that line anyway i uh, I, I do want to I, I feel like you've got more here but i do want to pause you there and just ask like as as movie lovers do you think that there's meant to be significance that like these are these are the control words for a giant powerful robot coming from a, a very very advanced alien who is kind of like traveling to hang out with a bunch of primitive screwheads as Ash calls the mm. the medieval people like is there a significance to the to Katabarad damn it, it I said you would have unleashed words. the evil too, Tasha. Yeah, you just so unleashed trouble, the Tasha. evil. Way to go! I remembered him. I just I just stumbled him. Is there a significance specifically to using Klaatu Barata Niktu as a phrase that's beyond just "Hey, it's a fun reference that certain people will catch"? Like, do you think he's actually trying to tap into the themes of the day the Earth stood still? Yeah. <laughs> I really love that you that you've thought this as far through as uh, as you have, Tasha. Because I really just thought, you know, it's just a, I just thought it was just a, a a nod, a hat tip. I didn't think about like whether there was some sort of a significance or a, a parallel in terms of the in terms of the action. But uh, but I'm glad you brought it up. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that. Is this why you like this movie more than I do? Like Matt <laughs> Matt here wrote what I consider the definitive piece on the internet on people being told to turn their brains off and watch movies and just have fun with it. Uh -huh. But this is kind of a turn your brain off and just have fun with it movie. Uh -huh. is, is the problem here that I'm thinking about this movie instead of going, he, he, he got poked in the <laughs> kind eyes? Of, I mean, I, it, like the, this is kind of what I was saying about Evil Dead 2. It was like, that, that it teaches you that this is a primarily a visceral experience, that the style of it is is the substance, that the irreverent, 
dialogue that the the comic set pieces that the kind of references the the you know the just the you know all of the surfacey stuff that's the movie you know mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's how you kind of engage with it but on the other hand like if you keep your brain on then you recognize Klaatu Virata Nikto and you can also recognize just the sheer sort of inventiveness of, of oh yeah it, no of I mean, like you can it's to smart. me like it's smart turn, like sure. turn your brain off for a movie means I'm I shouldn't notice that like you know the editing is incoherent and the chase scenes are ugly and and you know what I mean like in this movie like I was watching it again this week I was really sort of struck by how clear the action is in the that last sort of battle sequence how every single shot goes perfectly with the next shot which each setup mm-hmm. f- you follow you know ash along through the the courtyard and then up to the parapet and then the battle with evil ash and Bruce Campbell is playing two roles there and he's going back and forth with doubles and it's like seem it's absolutely seamless and it looks fantastic. And and Bruce Campbell's doing a lot of his own stunts and like it, it, you could like there are action movies nowadays that we can all think of where like y- if you were looking at your phone while the action is happening, that's probably the best way to experience it. You're not missing anything like yeah. here, you know, you can see and feel the care and the attention to detail that was put into that uh, sequence, you know, some of the camera moves, some of the editing, some of the choices of musical stings and sound effects and all of that sort of stuff. So while this is not an intellectual exercise, I wouldn't necessarily say the best way to enjoy it is to like turn your brain off completely. I I, I wouldn't say that, but I would say that I'm just saying that, I mean, there's a tremendous sophistication here. I'm just saying that sophistication is, is providing you with an experience that is primarily a visceral experience that not, not, not that you can't process it uh, with your head because there is a lot to process here. And if you're a, if you're a film fanatic, you know, or, or even a fantasy fiction or fiction, fanatic, you know, person like, like there are a lot, so many references to play, play around with so many things to kind of appreciate in terms of the sandbox that Raimi's working in here. The film actually reminds me a little bit, these careers really, really to me, parallel reminds me so much of joe dante and 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 gremlins 2 this is kind of Mm, like sam this is kind of like sam raimi's gremlins 2 it's just it's just like okay i have fooled the studio into giving me (laughs) money to do whatever i want and i'm going to you i'm going to take advantage of that by just like loading up the screen with with all of the stuff that i love and playing around and and giving you all of this physical shtick and and uh you know these fun cultural references and and it's a more comedic sequel as well oh absolutely yeah so so i i i feel like the the, and and of course dante has his guy too uh uh, uh, dick miller so the dick miller bruce campbell thing is is true too i wonder if those two have like hung out i feel like they would have a lot to talk about but i think that those those are the that's kind of what i was thinking of when i was watching already darkness again of just like this is Raimi has just gotten this opportunity to be given a lot of money to do this (laughs) to to just uh, unload all of the things that that uh he finds fun uh and funny and I, i don't know it works for me Will you indulge me as I dwell on a moment in which, like, I couldn't really turn my brain off, and I, I, I'm wonder- basically I'm wondering if I missed something. I guess it's a detail, but I feel like if it is 
unless I am missing something, it does kind of speak to what I'm saying about like this world not being maybe that fully realized. Early on when Ash is first brought to Lord Arthur's castle and uh, the the whole pit sequence, right? The mm-hmm. kind of the, the first big thing. Like we get a preview of the pit which involves a giant geyser of blood uh-huh. shooting out of it. Yeah. And then when we see what's in the pit, it's like hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> and, 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 no, and no indication of anything that would produce a giant geyser of blood. Did I miss something there? Or is that like the, the giant geyser of blood was funny? And yes. then this fight is funny. And yes. don't think about yes. how they connect at all. No, both, both <laughs> you're right about those things. Also, again, Evil Dead 2, contextually blood spurts out in, cr- in incredible volumes from the from the walls at our at our hero so it is kind of a, so, a so it's more of a, a comedic callback than any yeah like, also it's sort really of funny like, i mean it's, yeah. is it not is it not funny to see this incredible geyser of blood shooting out of the pit i mean i always laugh at that scene specifically because of the incongruity of it the fact that the first yeah. guy falls in and he, he's liquefied and shot out of the cannon <laughs> and then when when ash falls down there the yeah it's just like a weird old lady like to me that's the funny thing is that it it, it that yeah. they that it doesn't make any sense like that's that's the kind of stuff where when you watch this movie 50 times like things just yeah. start to emerge where you're just like maybe it's just like early enough in the film that like it's i hadn't quite tuned into its right. comedic wavelength like, to fully me, the, the, <laughs> like even the like the very first shot of this movie is a joke which is something i never quite realized probably until viewing like number 30 which is like you know they introduce ash he's walking along he's trudging in the sand we see the camera on his feet he pans up to his like stump in the in the in the uh, stocks how why is his yeah. hand stuck in there if he doesn't have a hand he should just pull it out like that's a, my husband and i had that basically that exact conversation right but like that's the that but that's a but that's the joke is like he this is ridiculous yeah. like he he's a man with no head stuck in a stock that he could easily just pull his arm out of like and it's just like Moments like that of just sheer, like, sort yeah. of... I mean, there's just there's moments of just pure absurdism. I mean, one right. of my favorite bits in the whole movie is the fact that <laughs> that when Ash finally makes it to the this this graveyard and, and to get the book, there there that there are two other books there <laughs> for for no particular reason other than for him to uh, you know have one of them uh, uh, you know gnaw on his hand and the other ones flap in his face. Otherwise, <laughs> why why are there three books? They're just three books because it's funny to have three books. And Maybe have the two, fact have two, that there are have... three books and and two of them are torture books explains uh-huh. why the deadites didn't just go get the book you know there's there's just all this stuff about like the the forces of darkness are gathering and they want the book more than than anything else why would the forces of darkness just sailed on down to the the cemetery and like picked up all three books like send in a skeleton i know that that part of the thing here is supposed to be that he somehow activates the army of darkness by not saying all your damn words but the deadites were were already around, you know. the The deadites are in the pit. The deadites are taking over everything. Uh, the deadites have have come for like all of the the lords and their people. They're causing war. Why didn't they just go get the book? Like, I I I think that the movie just doesn't think through most of this stuff and doesn't care. doesn't care to think. Through I feel like the reason the... is is because like the de- yes, they do mention like the 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 medieval. Uh, communities are fighting because of the deadites or whatever. But I, to me, like the deadites, you know, they're not like regular zombies who want to eat brains and kill people. Like 
they just want to bother Bruce Campbell. They just dislike him <laughs> intensely. And so that's why there's three books because it to, to mess with him. And like, why do they do everything in this movie? It's to mess with him. You know, like there's the wonderful, amazing POV shots where the, can, you know, like the, I don't know if it's the Ramo cam or the Slamo cam, or they have funny names for all these different <laughs> cameras, but it's like the POV shot where it's chasing him through the woods mm-hmm. and, you know, the camera is chasing him and chasing him and then he falls off his horse and it keeps chasing him. Well, if the, if the Deadites could keep up with the horse, they could definitely catch him when he's like on foot and rolling around <laughs> on the grass. The only explanation is that they just get a kick out of messing with this guy and they love... <laughs> They love screwing with him. And so like I they, think you've got it, man. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I think know, I know. I that's what I that's what I always think is that they just, you know, wh- for whatever reason, they have found the perfect target to mess with. Maybe because the Deadites are really just Sam Raimi and he loves messing with Bruce Campbell. And it just gives <laughs> I, him I, enormous I amounts of pleasure to mess with this very <laughs> handsome guy who can take inordinate amounts of punishment and look very funny while he does it. But like that's what the that's what they're there to do is they're they, you know like killing other people sure whatever but like sticking it really good to Bruce Campbell ah that's a spicy meatball you know like that's <laughs> that's the joie de vivre that's what they that's what they live or I guess are undead for like that's what it's all about. This explains everything. The first person thrown into the pit gets liquefied because they're like, "What the hell? This isn't even Bruce Campbell. Right. We, yeah. we don't want this." And they and they just turn him into a fine mist and send right. him back up. But once Bruce Campbell gets down there, they're like, "This is what we were waiting for." Like now, the hand to hand witch fights. Uh, and the bit the bit where he's on the ground and getting poked by that does the, the, the Larry Curley and Mo bit with the with all of the mm-hmm. skeleton hands poking him in the eyes and oh man, that is satisfying stuff so um let me see if we, we can can we try to step away from bruce campbell as ash here and see see where we get <laughs> I mean, d- d- does it matter that campbell is such a dominant presence here are there other supporting characters we're talking about do we did we want more from say a pre schindler's list and beth <laughs> davids for example i mean after hearing matt whole grand unified theory of of the deadites and and ash like or slash bruce campbell like i guess not (laughs) but just like i understand that this is all like part of the send-up of this like you know type of cinematic masculinity but that doesn't make me like the treatment of sheila anymore in, in this movie like she's the only female character of consequence and She's treated horribly. And again, just because it's like, quote unquote, on purpose or done with a point doesn't mean that I enjoy watching it. And this just goes back to the the whole character thing, you know, like I, I like a character to grab onto, you know, like emotionally. And she is the only real candidate other than Ash in this movie and she's not really given anything to do but be like groped and yelled at and that's about it <laughs> and turned into a monster right i mean i think that and called a she bitch i think that the problem there is that she's already too much like women in in action movies of the time like mm-hmm. it's not over the top enough like it's not right. exaggerated enough to not just be like oh okay you know this again she's conniving and she kind of tries to she craps on the hero and then as soon as she sees that she could gain from the hero she she sucks up to him and wants to romance him and then she gets in trouble and needs to be rescued like all of that is just such standard boring stuff that it doesn't really feel like a send-up i actually feel like we could use less of her in this movie 
just because oh you know okay you made your point like you've got this this archetype that you're doing silly things with and eventually she kind of gets to come into her own a little bit and uh like be a, a superpowered monster who uses her feminine wiles to uh to screw with ash like absolutely everybody else is but we probably could have done that with about half as much of that character and it it i honestly don't think we would have lost much yeah like the movie just wasn't built for her sorry no no, no it's <laughs> yeah. it's i think Tasha's point is is very fair, but on the other hand, it also seems like it could have been fun if they had made her, I don't know if she could have been the equal of Ash, but just could have given it back a little bit. Like, I actually she, think- it, She could have been the Lola bunny to his Bugs bunny, you know? I mean- it just <laughs> Yeah, she, she couldn't have been Lola bunny because Lola bunny, having had to rewatch those movies very recently for a piece <laughs> that we were doing, Lola bunny's whole thing is being confident yeah. and, and capable- and somebody coming into this movie and being competent and capable, like over Bruce Campbell, would kind of undercut a lot of the fun of him being a big steamed ham. Right. You know, it's <laughs> that's fair. If if there was if there was somebody that was like actually dealing with these problems in a competent way, suddenly it wouldn't be hilarious that even the the bad guys in this are pretty inept. You know, evil Ash just kind of standing up there with his <laughs> Maybe one of my favorite things in the movie is just his his weird, drippy, 14 different... <laughs> Matt, I'm doing Matt the underbite. Making, uh, underbite uh, faces right <laughs> oh. now. Yeah, his... His done underbite and his like super super hammy performance, like all of that uh, is, is pretty goofy and fun. And if he had to be like a competent, like actually evil, if he had to be the Night King from from Game of Thrones, and you know, if this army of the dead that feels so much like Game of Thrones had to be taken seriously, which it would kind of have to be if you jumped up a hero who was competent to fight it all, like yeah, the the fact that half of this movie is just about like who's ramming a fork in Ash's ass today, <laughs> like, just wouldn't land the same. I do think Embeth Davis is really good as the evil Sheila, I will say. Like she and she looks like she's having some fun doing, you know, doing that stuff, like trying to I don't think she's sticking a, a fork in Ash's ass, but she's like I think she's trying to stab him with a spear. So pretty close. But uh I I do kind of get a kick out of, you know, when she's all evil and and uh she's going after him. I and she looks like she's having some fun. The the earlier scenes uh they're harder to defend. Well, we want to get into a lot more of the Raimi style, uh, but of course, there's plenty of style in the new Marvel film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we'll save that for part two. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this discussion and anything else in the world of film. Email us at comments at nextpictureshow.net if you want to share any responses with us and other listeners. We'll be back in a minute with a preview of our next episode. That's it for this episode of The Next Picture Show. In our next episode, we'll compare Army of Darkness to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Sam Raimi's new entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Look for that episode next Tuesday on your podcatcher of choice. For ad-free versions of the podcast and extra content, including letters from other listeners, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. We're eager to answer your feedback on Feedback Friday. You can find us at nextpictureshow.net and on Twitter at Next Picture Pod, if you want to keep track of when new episodes drop. Until next week, remember, shop smart, shop S-Mart. Come on, baby, give me some sugar. sugar.